belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for January 8th, 2023 is called, What Are We About? The speaker is John Ray and the location is Crop Auditorium, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. There are certain Sunday mornings where I... I come in here and we're preparing and I'm like, okay, God, I am content. Whoever you send, whoever will be here, I will be content with that. I pray that you send the people that need to be here with that. And then there are mornings like this where I'm listening to the worship team and I'm just like, I want everybody to be here. Like I want all of Northwest Arkansas to be here to experience um, the energy, the spirit, the beauty of the worship this morning. So thank you for being here and worship team. Thank you for everything you've done, you're doing, you continue to do to lead us in this. Um, This morning is the first Sunday of Epiphany. At Grace, we've been talking about how we are going to practice the church calendar, aligning and attuning ourselves to the church calendar. We all live by various calendars. It's not to say we're not going to pay attention to the other calendars. This is the first Sunday we're together in 2023, and that needs to be recognized, needs to be marked. There are certain things we do with that. But that our dominant calendar, the one that that really guides our spirit, guides our anticipation, um, guides our overall practices, is that that's been established by the church over the centuries with that. And with that comes the first Sunday of Epiphany. This is the Sunday that traditionally the church celebrates the visit of the three wise men, the magi, the ones who come and are the first to declare this is the king who has long been anticipated. We're going to look, though, at a little bit further down the road, as Laura read the scripture this morning, talking about Jesus' appearance in the temple and what happened there. So, years ago, I was tasked with preparing a self-study for accreditation for a college. Exciting, I know, right? Um, There were pages and pages of information that had to be filled out just so. There were questionnaires to distribute, responses to analyze, evaluations to gather, assessments to measure, forecasts to project. I mean, you get the idea. This was an incredible amount of paperwork to do. The process took over a year to complete. But at the center of it, At the center of it all, there were just simply two questions, two simple questions. What is it that you say you're doing, and are you doing it? The whole thing, the whole huge file was designed to answer, to demonstrate, to reflect those two questions. What is it you say you're doing, and are you doing it? Now, look. I sure don't ever, 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 ever want to be in charge of another self-study. Like, it was tedious. It was, <clears throat> it was very demanding. But I regularly find myself reflecting on those questions. In a way, I think these were the two questions that help us understand and define Jesus. He may not have used these words in this exact way, but it's clear that he knew what he was about and he devoted himself to doing it. His purpose and his actions lined up. 
And this is what brings into focus, like, like when you take those eye tests and everything's clear and they move things and they, and they align them and then suddenly you can see clearly what is out there. This understanding that Jesus knew what he was to be about and then set about doing that, that those two things came, they bring it into focus for us. And when we come to see things clearly, to really understand this, we can have something called an epiphany. A sudden or crystallizing manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. An intuitive grasp of reality. A kind of illuminating discovery or realization. This is what an epiphany is. This is the season that we're in. And an epiphany is not only personal. It's not just a single life-altering realization, but it's an entire season on our calendar. A dedicated allotment of time to sit with this knowledge and let it settle into our bones. During Epiphany, we seek to integrate the gifts that we have received in Advent into the very fabric of our being and identity. For the next seven Sundays, we're going to do just that. We're going to explore seven events in Jesus' life that help us more fully understand how Jesus reveals who he is. And in the process, also come to understand more of who we are. It's a way of asking the questions I mentioned earlier. What is it we say we're doing as a church? What are we doing as a church? What are we doing as a community, smaller communities? What are we doing as people, as individual persons? And are we doing it? But here is where I need to stop and give a warning. I spend a lot of time with people who have walked away from the church. Disillusioned, angry, disappointed, hurt, and sad. And make no mistake, this is a complex issue. And every story is unique in the experience of it. But at the heart of so much of this is the failure of the church to meet the expectations, as well as the legitimate needs of the people experiencing this pain. Now let me quick, be quick to say that yes, many of these expectations are wrong. They are formed more by consumerism, the idolatry of individualism, and the toxic demand for total control. But there is also the very real, very tragic element that the person heartbroken by the church has had a very real epiphany, a very real encounter with Christ that has had their hopes and imaginations transformed by the understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. And their justified and necessary expectation is that the church will demonstrate that. That the church will, in fact, understand what it is supposed to be in light of who Jesus is and get busy being that entity. Not perfectly. Not consistently at times half-heartedly or out of ab obligation, yes, but at least trying at least confessing when it misses the mark 
at least attempting with sincere and humble effort. But so often this is not what they see, not what they experience. Instead, they encounter a church that proclaims one thing, but does something totally different. And this is the warning for us. The epiphany isn't a call to perfection, y'all. It isn't a call to rigid obligation, but it's a call to embody the reality of our calling, to devote ourselves to understanding and then being, doing, living into that calling. To do anything less than this is to double damn those we encounter. The first damnation is for those who would join in with us and accept our deformed agenda as gospel and thus be prevented from encountering the real thing. The second damnation is that people would come to us and trust us and trust us to live up to the real gospel and thus encounter damage through our hypocrisy. Grace Church, it doesn't have to be this way. God is not just calling us to some unattainable perfection, but instead to live as Jesus lived. Lived as Jesus shows us how to live. Live as the Spirit empowers us to walk humbly, seek justice, show mercy, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, as we love our neighbors as ourselves. To make every sincere effort, not only to proclaim what we believe is true, but to do it. To actually live it. To line up our confession with our action. Our affirmation and our intention. Not merely to be hearers of the word, as it says, but doers. And y'all, this is super exciting. In some ways, this is, this is like, go, you get to do this. This is, this is the permission that we need. This is the encouragement we need. This is the shove. Go, be, do, into the world. It's, it's, it's exciting. But it's also overwhelming. <clears throat> it's challenging. It costs us things. It puts us at odds with other deformed proclamations of the gospel. It puts us at odds with our own deformed imagination around the gospel and what that means. It's not easy. But this is what saves us from hypocrisy. This is what saves us from that offering that double damnation that I talked about of inviting, saying, hey, come here, join us as we follow Jesus, and then we don't. And people go, oh, I guess this is the gospel. I guess this is the church. And they settle for it. And thus they're prevented from encountering the true gospel in the real Jesus. Or the second 
They come here eager, open, vulnerable, willing, wanting. And then we crush them. We defraud them. We deprive them from that reality. Epiphany is a terrible thing, y'all. Terrible not in the sense of negative, but terrible in the sense of awesome. Terrible in the sense of the truly overwhelming. You know, the old timers would talk about the great and terrible love of Jesus, which sounded to my ears as I first hear that, I thought, terrible? Jesus' love is terrible? What is terrible about Jesus' love? But it's not terrible in the sense of bad. It's terrible, like I said, in the sense of overwhelming. And epiphany is that. It is great and terrible. It is it both life-giving and life-threatening. Standing on the bow of a ship in an ocean, in a storm, it is overwhelming. But we are not without hope because Jesus, as Jesus reveals Jesus' self to us and as we, in turn, have ourselves revealed, because that's the thing, Tiff, uh, epiphany is not a one-way mirror. A tiffany, uh, epiphany. Why do I keep saying Tiffany? A Tiffany. There's no Tiffany's here, are there? No. Uh, an epiphany is not a one-way street. It, 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 it works both ways. The more we come to understand of Jesus, the more we come to understand of ourselves. And y'all, I, I may be the only one here, but there's, there's things in my life I just don't want to deal with. I would just rather have left in the closet. I would rather have... Don't lift up that corner of the rug. We don't need to sweep there. Don't No, don't look there. But the more we fix on Jesus, the more we see Jesus, the more we cannot not deal with those things in ourselves. But it's not only bad, it's also good. The more we see the love of Jesus in Jesus' eyes, the more we come to understand our belovedness. Our belovedness as we see that in Jesus' reflected in the face of Jesus, that you are loved. You are wanted. You are accepted. Y'all, that's, that's worth the sacrifice. That's worth the living into. That's worth the effort as we start this new year. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up here. I was thinking this morning how the gods of mythology, the Greek gods, the Norse, Norse gods, the different mythologies we have, that those gods are just a projection of the human aggressive nature. They're, they're a projection of our foibles or a projection just of us. We, we create those gods as manifestations of our own image. And they do the same thing in the East, only in a, in a totally different way, in the opposite way. In the East, the gods and the gurus are a manifestation of all those human things suppressed. All of those human wants and desires and foibles suppressed and just washed away into nothingness. And how against those two ideas of gods or God comes Jesus. Jesus is not a projection of humanity. Rather, he is a restorer of humanity. Jesus is the one that shows us how to be human. The mystery of God coming to show us how to be human, fully human, 
fully alive. What greater epiphany could we have than the understanding of what it means to be human? What it means to be a person, whole, all aspects of our personality, our imaginations, our wants, our history, made whole in that. That's what Jesus offers. That's why we commit ourselves to the practices. That's why we align ourselves with the calendars. That's why we sacrificially assemble and set our imagination and give our money and give our time and and come together with people is so that we can live more fully into that which Jesus reveals. It all starts with that gift. It all starts with that gift. At Grace Church now, we transition to this time at the table. We come together to share at this table because God didn't come and say, okay, here's a list of rules. Here's how you do it. Here's a checklist. He didn't say, okay, here's an ideal over here. Just follow this ideal. No, he says, he comes and he says, here am I. The table is where we encounter Jesus. The table is where Jesus comes to serve and be served. He gave us a practice, and in a way, he, he gives himself, but he also gives us each other. Because we come to this table together. He gives us each other at this table. So our table is open to everyone who wants that. If you want it, come on. There are no barriers here. Jesus sure didn't put nothing. So we ask that you come, you take the elements, you hold on to them, and we're going to all take them together. This is also a time we reflect. Look, we know that once you walk out of here, you're going to be hit with a thousand distractions. There are football games to watch and chores to be done and meals to be done and homework to get ready for and school. Like, take this time and just listen. Take this time and reflect and write it down if you need to. Text it to yourself if you need to. Text it to somebody else. This is also the time we recognize our offering, that, that our offering box is up there. We do that as symbolic of our worship, that no one here is without someone, something to give and no one here is without need. And so those three times, those three things in this next time, I invite you to participate willingly, not coercively, not forced, but willingly as you will. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.